Hi, and welcome to Facts and Blog and Podcast. But what do you think some of the are going to be some of those big eyebrow raisers that could truly be be on the the horizon even for these swing states? Well, there are a number of them, and if you look at Joe Biden's issues page, specifically his his list of uh, his wish list of gun control items, um, it's pretty scary, um, particularly to a company like Faxon. He wants to outlaw all internet sales of guns ammo and gun parts. I mean, how does that trickle down into into the local and state governments? At, at what point do these executive orders and things, you know, impact even pro to a friendly, even as small as counties? I, I think that that's where, you know, the 10th Amendment certainly comes in. Uh, and then if, if they do get past our state, our state government, our governor, and they come to Butler County or, or the county, cho choose the county you live in, then actually probably the, the, the last firewall, and in some cases, the first firewall is our local sheriff, is our local government and, and our local legislature. So how do we get started on the install? All right, first off, make sure that your muslock is all the way on. Next, take the muzzle brake, thread it on, uh, we also have the uh, what we are calling the haunt Ooh, Ooh, giveaway nice. uh, partner with lockdown to create a uh, custom FX 19 hellfire uh, that if held under UV light J glows really it does man i didn't know that i know it glows in the it was just the, spooky and, i didn't realize it yeah. glowed yeah our buddy tom from one off coding again knocking it out of the park with man. you know some ideas hi and welcome hi and welcome to the facts and blog and podcast i think it goes without saying that uh, pretty much every gun owner has their favorite tools their favorite things that they like to keep in their range bag or at their workbench uh, and it's no secret for us that the Wheeler Fat Wrench is one of those. We have several of these up in our assembly area with our armory technicians. And it's because it's a simple, great device uh, that can be used in multiple applications. It's an adjustable torque wrench in a screwdriver type fashion with a series of bits that'll help you with everything from rifle takedown to scope mounting and everything in between. Fantastic tool. Uh, so if you haven't checked these out, you could go to wheelertools.com and they're available in a ton of places, including amazon.com. But make sure you check it out, especially if you're looking for that one missing piece for your workbench or you want to give it to a uh, new gun owner to help set up their range bag. Definitely a great choice. Again, check out our friends at wheelertools.com and take a look at the fat wrench. Hi, and welcome to episode 36 of the Facts and Blogging podcast. We have a huge show for you today. We have Dan Zimmerman from The Truth About Guns, as well as defense attorney Sean Maloney from Second Call Defense. We are tackling the big topic of firearms and the election. Uh, what do the potential election outcomes mean for the firearms community uh, at large? So we're going to be walking through a couple of hypotheticals and also just picking the brains of uh, Dan and Sean, as they're both a, a great journalistic mind and a great legal mind uh, to have on the show. So that's going to be a great deal in our main segment. Make sure you check that out. Also on Jay's World of Eats this week, uh, brought to you by our friends at Crimson Trace, we're going to be giving away a CMR 204, as well as a Faxon Wild Gear Tumbler. Not this one, this one's mine. That one will cost you. Uh, but uh, besides that, uh, Jay also has some great insights onto uh, some 
elementary age snacking and lunch items. So it's a lot of fun. Make sure you stick around for that. And Andrew, one of our uh, armory technicians here at Faxon is going to be giving us a muzzlock tutorial. So if you are looking to uh, purchase a muzzlock device for your uh, rifle or pistol, uh, this will show you just how easy it is uh, to use a muzzlock on your favorite gun. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, don't forget that we have a couple of giveaways going on, not just the CMR204 for the podcast, but also the Haunt giveaway is getting underway right now. So if you're into Halloween and all things spooky, this is definitely it for you. We have a custom lockdown themed uh, FX19 Hellfire that was completed by our friend Tom at One Off Coding. Um, we're going to show some images of that, but there's also uh, great prizes, not only from uh, lockdown, but also Valkyrie Leather, Second Call Defense, Skinny Medic, and more. So make sure uh, you check that out at FaxonFirearms.com. So without any further ado, let's move it into our roundtable discussion with Dan Zimmerman from The Truth About Guns and Sean Maloney of Second Call Defense. Well, as promised today, we have uh, both Dan Zimmerman from The Truth About Guns and Sean Maloney from Second Call Defense here with us, both returning guests on the show. Uh, very excited to have them both uh, as we discuss kind of a daunting topic, uh, firearms in the election. And uh, hopefully we could uh, keep this thing moving and give you some insights on uh, what potential outcomes could be like um, for the firearms community, for the industry in general, um, regardless of what the outcome is. Uh, what, what could we be looking like uh, both uh, both socially and economically? So thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. All right. So let me uh, go ahead and uh, throw out a, a couple of things. Uh, number one, this is not going to be a show of us looking at you through the lens of telling you who to vote for. We don't want to get down that path per se. Um, but obviously there there are going to be some party lines and some headlines that have already been made that will kind of tell you what uh, some platforms are running against. And that would be a lot of our uh, two-way rights uh, that we, we hold dear and also uh, kind of how, how folks would or would have um, – you know, taking care of some of the civil unrest and everything with uh, the COVID pandemic. You know, you know uh, Dan, uh, Sean and I were talking before we started the show just a bit about, you know, the fact that there are so many new gun owners, as we've discussed on uh, previous episodes before, that span party lines and even ride that middle pretty hard. You know, do we think that that's going to have some sort of sway in the election or at least uh, have some sort of uh, play on how uh, gun legislation is held? Uh, Dan, we'll, we'll start with you. What do you think? That's so hard to handicap these days. Um, you know, the 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 best guesstimate so far I've heard is five million new gun owners. It's probably that was a good month plus ago. Mm -hmm. So there's probably more since we sold another one point six million last month. Um, the other guesstimate was 40% of those are first timers, new gun owners. Um, and a large percentage of those are women. Uh, I, I don't know how many of those people who are first timers are going to be people who primarily vote their gun rights, but I have to believe that some fraction of them will, uh, yeah. and in a state, uh, especially, um, a, um, toss-up states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Ohio and maybe even 
some not you know newer toss up states like maybe Arizona and places like that. Those those new gun owners might might make a difference. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, Sean, one of the things that we were talking about a little bit earlier, and and I think it's it's worth repeating, is just going over the idea of what we think the first um, quarter of 2021 could look like um, should uh, Biden-Harris win. And uh, the reason we're going to start there is we've we've already kind of seen what the what the Trump administration does right. with with firearms <laughs> legislation. So assuming that uh, that Joe Biden gets into office and with kind of the the threats, if you will, of Kamala Harris of, you know, we're going to give <laughs> we're going to give the rest of the government 100 days and then we're going to start signing executive orders. You know, what do you think that that logical, you know, first quarter of 2021 could really look like? Well, certainly I think everybody tipped their hand. Uh, in the primaries because everybody tried to separate themselves and run as, as far left or run as far anti-gun as they could. And so, you know, we, we already know that universal background check is a big thing and that's going to be on the table. Uh, universal background check uh, is universal registration and ends up being universal confiscation. And plus, uh, over time, it erodes our rights. And then you heard Joe Biden and then the, the guns are Beto O'Rourke. I want them all. Mm-hmm. I want all your AR-15s. I want all your, your sporting rifles, your quote-unquote assault weapons. You know, we want them all. So they're going to start there. I think those are kind of the low-hanging fruit we've had in an assault weapons ban in the past. Uh, they like to tout the fact that 80% of even NRA members are in favor of universal background checks until they slip in that it doesn't work without registration. But I think those are probably some of the two big ticket items that they'll go after immediately. Yeah. Now, and, and I mean, not that... I'm going to pull stats out of thin air right now, but I mean, I think we saw in, you know, during the assault weapons ban that it really did not do anything for violent crime rate in general. Um, And the, the piece that I think gets missed um, for some folks is when we say, or they hear some politicians say uh, assault uh, weapons ban, they think of, an AK-47, you know, they think of an AR-15 or something that looks like it. I mean, you don't have to Google very long to see somebody showing a tactical shotgun and somebody calling it an AR, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, with that in mind, we need to look at some other of the underlying, um, I want to say vocabulary that's being used there, because when they're saying AR, you know, they could just be meaning anything with a detachable magazine. They could mean anything that's semi-automatic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, a lot of you, uh, you know, probably have even a semi-automatic shotgun. You know, likely your 22 long rifle is semi-automatic. You know, the, these are things that are kind of lumped in with that with that AR moniker. And if you go from state to state, whether it's California, the state of Washington, New York state, uh, on their banned firearms and in the Safe Act in New York City, uh, firearms, just like you mentioned, are on there. Uh, I had a hard time back in the early Obama years of motivating gun clubs because they really didn't want their guns, so to speak. And even before that, with the Clinton AR bear, uh, assault weapons ban, then they started to realize, wait a minute, they're classifying my semi-automatic shotgun, mm-hmm. you know, as an assault weapon and detachable magazines, anything that that uh, has a rate of fire. Uh, with one pull of the trigger. Right. Uh, and, and so it goes on and on. Of course, any uh, any FOSTEC triggers, any any binary triggers. Of course, we already saw what happened to the bump stock. 
So all those things will be low hanging fruit and, and they'll go also. But the the expansion of the assault weapons being nobody has really defined what an assault weapon is in California. Anything that looks mean and nasty with right. a bayonet lug, with yeah. a detachable magazine, with a flash suppressor, with a forearm grip. It goes on and on and on. So it's really whatever they want to make it. Uh, and, and that's the problem. There, there's no definition. And that's why our founding fathers uh, wrote the Second Amendment in the way they did. Yeah. Well, taking a look at this, you know, Dan, I know you and I have talked before a bit about some of the differences in gun laws that we see throughout the country. And I know on your first episode with us, you know, uh, Chicago was quite backed up at the time with all of the the checks and things that they had. And, you know, is it the, the firearms card they have to have to even be in the store and handle a firearm? I mean, what, what do you think could be coming to some of these places, you know, like these swing states and new swing states that that you've mentioned? Because again, we we even have to remind our audience sometimes like, hey, listen, like we sell to the whole country. Uh, so there are going to be things, even if we do a giveaway, you know, we try to make it as 50 state friendly as we can. Uh, so more people have the opportunity to win. But, but what do you think some of the are going to be some of those big eyebrow raisers that could truly be be on the, the horizon, even for these swing states? Well, there are a number of them. And if you look at. Joe Biden's issues page, specifically his, his list of uh, his wish list of gun control items, um, it's pretty scary, um, particularly to a company like Faxon. He wants to outlaw all internet sales of guns, ammo, and gun parts. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine what that means um, for a lot of companies, the Faxons of the world. Uh, Brownells, Midway, Lucky Gunner, you name it, they would all be put out of business if that happened. Now, of course, that also depends on control of the Senate. Um, uh, I don't think that a, uh, a Biden uh, executive order outlawing internet gun sales would fly. There'd be lawsuits and injunctions, and that would take years to wind its way through the court. However, if the Democrats also get control of the Senate, then he's going to end up with a bill on his desk uh, that he can sign. And that's a whole nother kettle of fish and um, presents uh, a much more immediate threat. Um, but as you said, firearm owner's ID card, that's one of the things he wants. He wants a national firearm owner's ID card. Um, he wants uh, to incent all states to enact red flag laws. He wants to ban, he wants a national buyback. And for those uh, so-called assault weapons that aren't sold back. He wants to regulate them like machine guns, which meaning, which means you'd have to pay a $200 tax stamp in order to register and keep your uh, centerfire uh, modern sporting rifle. So how much fun would that be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of stuff going in now for some folks, like maybe if you are listening or watching this and you're in Chicago or you live in LA County, you're like, that sounds a bit like it is now uh, for, for you guys. But this is, again, uh, we have kind of bred a culture over these last few decades of, of, you know, wanting and making the federal government to be mom and dad and kind of overreaching or, or very much overreaching into, uh, you know, local and state governments. Um, you know, we, we were talking a bit before this show, uh, Sean, about uh, even our sheriff here in Butler County, right. who, who's very <laughs> pro 2A. I mean, say something like this does happen, say Biden-Harris get in, they get the Senate. 
there are these federal pieces uh, that come into play for for their vision. I mean, how does that trickle down into into the local and state governments? At, at what point do these executive orders and things, you know, impact even pro to a friendly even as small as counties. I think that that's where, you know, the 10th amendment certainly comes in. Uh, and then if, if they do get past our state, our state government or governor, and they come to Butler County or, or the county to choose the county you live in, then actually probably the, the, the last firewall. And in some cases, the first firewall is our local sheriff is our local government and, and our local legislature. And certainly with, with Sheriff Rich Jones here in Butler County, uh, he encourages us to own firearms because he's the first person to admit that he can't be there uh, when you're needed. But, you know, it becomes a real problem if they start to enact seizure orders. I have confidence that my sheriff uh, won't won't uh, participate in any seizure orders or any mandatory gun buybacks. But as Dan said, I mean, Australian gun control, it all started with voluntary buybacks. You know what? And if you don't want to sell them to me, I'll take them. Right. Yeah, I think that is such a, a huge thing when we're looking at this. And even though, you know, we're a bit in the 11th hour here as it's October, but, you know, people need to be really reading up on not just the the presidential side to this right. election. They need to be looking at anybody who's up for election in their, you know, uh, state and local uh, as well as federal government, because this enacts, this is how uh, these policies get pushed forward. This is how, like you said, you have a, a firewall, if you will, yeah. at least, you know, on, on the local level. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. There's been a big push uh, in the defund the police movement. Um, and to a lot of us, that tells us we need to be taking 2A rights even more seriously mm -hmm. if we haven't already been, because if all of a sudden, you know, we're going to have problems with, uh, Number one, having good police officers that actually want to be police officers anymore. Right. Uh, dealing with it, I think, is is one giant thing. But let alone uh, some of the stuff that we saw even, uh, Dan, in our early conversations at the beginning of the pandemic where, hey, police aren't responding to nonviolent offenses. Uh, they're releasing certain amounts of people from jail for what they claim are, are nonviolent crimes. You know, as as this continues to go. Uh, regardless of how COVID pans out, I think the the defund the police movement yoked up with this election is is probably the the scariest you know scenario for me. I mean, Dan, what, what would you say to that? Well, I would agree, and I think that's that's why you've seen the incredible gun sales numbers that you've seen. People aren't stupid. People see people watch the news and they know what's going on. You know, obviously, gun sales spiked. Uh, uh, with a de declaration of a national emergency for the pandemic, but they really took off then uh, at the end of May with the uh, death of George Floyd and everything that happened after that, riots, burning, looting, um, um, and then the subsequent defund the police movement. And what happened in Atlanta with c cops refusing to go to work for a while. I mean, there was a good week or so where you had uh, serious blue flu um, impacting, um, police, uh, police on duty. Uh, you've got cities like Seattle, Portland, um, Los Angeles here in Austin, New York, Chicago, mm -hmm. cities all across the country have actually defunded their police. They haven't zeroed them out, but they've made significant cuts. All that means is fewer cops on the beat, 
it means longer response times. And uh, even when there are cops on the beat, we've also seen police officers being held back by their mayors who are sympathetic with Mm -hmm. uh, rioters, uh, by their uh, commanders who think that uh, the last thing they want to do is get into uh, is escalate a confrontation and get into a situation where um, you're going to have even more violence. So people are making reasoned choices to arm themselves and have the ability to protect themselves because they know that they are their own first responder. The cops may not and probably will not be there in time to save you. So let's uh, let's jump to a, another hypothetical. You know, I, I was telling uh, Sean that uh, some of this is like just water cooler talk when you work for a firearms manufacturer. You know, it's like, yeah, hey, what do you think? What do you think this is going to happen? Uh, you know, so let's say, you know, Trump gets reelected. There's been a lot of uh, speculation that the we have yet to see the tip of the iceberg of rioting and looting and protests and demonstrations that, if you know, if. if if Trump gets reelected, we could very well see more of the same. And if not, even at more of a, a an alarming and violent rate. I mean, Sean, do you, do you think that falls in, in line with some of the, the cultural climate that that you've been seeing? And, you know, how do you think that uh, or do you think that, you know, President Trump would be able to react differently? Because if he's won the election, you know, your second term, right. you're not going up for reelection again, you know, kind of all, all holds barred there. So, I mean, what do you think the, the cultural response could be? Well, I think we'll start off with uh, with the Antifas uh, of the world uh, and, and the progressives of the world. In my view, they're going to lose their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already have the framework of, of, of how to burn an American city, how to riot, how to protest, how to start a peaceful protest and turn in, into a not peaceful protest. Uh, so I think that that's going to be very prevalent. It's going to be more so uh, the rule than the exception. And I think, as Dan mentioned earlier, with all these first time gun buyers, they could be the tur- they, they could be really the turning point for this election, because even though they're first time gun owners and even though a lot of them are, are, are more liberal or, or Democrats, so to speak, I have a friend who owns a gun store. Every time I would walk in there in March, April or May, I was behind the counter helping them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I realized that these people have never touched a firearm and never would have imagined purchasing one before in the past. And I think that uh, even though they're brand new, they still don't want to have it taken away. They still understand the importance of of the defund the police and they still understand the danger now of these protests ending up in the suburbs where they live right. uh, or in particular where they live. And I think that's the main concern. So I think uh, that's going to drive them to the polls. And then as far as uh, talking about what our president, what a president Trump in his second term is going to be, he did what Ronald Reagan did. He asked the cities, he asked the mayors, he asked the governors, do you need my help? Uh, if they said yes, then he, then, he, then he gave the help. And if they said, no, we don't want you around here, then obviously in, in states like Portland and Minneapolis, he didn't. He stayed out. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't think that'll really change. I think there will be a greater response if things get that much that much worse. There there comes a point in time when your governor, your mayor, your city administration can't protect you or won't protect you anymore. I think then he's going to have to step in. There's there's that fine line, and I, I I don't know where that line is. But obviously, wait a minute. These people are screaming for help, and they're going to have to get it somewhere. And I think Donald Trump will probably have to act. <laughs> 
uh, in some areas for that reason. Yeah, I think that's a great point because at some point it, it trickles out to, hey, you're just re- refusing help or we're giving you a chance to take care of it yourself. It, it is the uh, it is a kind of a founding rule, if you mm-hmm. will. We are here for the to provide the common defense. Right. First, you know, both foreign and domestic. And so I, I think that would be, you know, a huge thing. You know, Dan, you and, and your team have covered, you know, the stuff that was happening in St. Louis as well as Seattle and, and every Everywhere else, I mean, would would you say that this is right on par? Trump gets elected, the rioting and stuff gets even, you know, more out of hand. Yeah, I think that we will see a new level of uh, insanity if he yeah. is elected. Now, I think it's going to take days, if not weeks, to right. actually sh- for the <clears throat> final results to shake out. Uh, but once once the, it is complete. And if he is is the uh, declared the winner, I think uh, we will see much more rioting, much more destruction. And I think it could extend through Inauguration Day, if not beyond. Um, And I agree with Sean. Um, He was very careful. Uh, He did not go blundering into cities and sending in uh, National Guard troops. Um, He in every situation asked whether the locals wanted, wanted his help. Um, the only thing he did in Portland was send in federal protection police to protect federal property, which he has right. every right to do. And there's, that's been done for years and years and years. That's nothing new either. Um, but he doesn't have, have, um, he didn't have national guard people marching through the streets and, uh, putting down, uh, rioters. Um, that could change in places like Washington or Oregon or uh, Illinois or places where you've got uh, governors and mayors who are not at all interested in confronting people uh, with whom they agree politically. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and all this to me, and it's it's probably me preaching to the choir with you two guys, but this is just a just shows how long there has been a disconnect between what uh, local and state governments really mean uh, to your everyday life. And, and one would imagine that the COVID pandemic and seeing how governors and local health officials and everything else played out in the day to day of what people could and couldn't do in cities, towns, counties, mm-hmm. you would imagine that that would have been a little more eye opening, like, oh, Okay, here is a direct response. My governor's on on TV every day and we're seeing mandates and we're seeing all this sort of stuff. But all of this piece comes back to, you know, you, you don't like how the police are acting. You elect the sheriff, you elect the mayor who does your your municipal police departments. You allow, you know, orders and bills to be passed that allow private institutions to have police departments, whether that's a university or, or a, a medical system or what have you. You know, you, you got to see the long ball of of these decisions that we make. And when people go in and all they do is vote for president, vice president they're you're missing the point you know the point is you need to be taking care of where do you live what's next what's next beyond that instead of saying hey federal government come bail us out you know we need mommy and daddy to come help you know this isn't just a this isn't just a game you know what i mean it's the police isn't just you know the ohio or the texas army you know these are these are pieces and structures that you get to vote into place 
And as localized as they can be, that means the most ideologically they'll be like you. Uh, And then that just that just filters up, Um, you know, but, you know, Sean, you and I were talking a little bit before, you know, some of this is indoctrination and you had brought up uh, even things like, you know, Common Core and and schools, you know, uh, how about you paint that picture for us? Like, why would we pair those things together? Well, it's important because, number one. Uh, you can't invoke your rights if you don't know you have them. And when we were, like, we were talking about Canadian form of gun control and what they did and how still the American person is still is a different animal, so to speak, or a different person. Because in our schools with Common Core Education, all of a sudden the federal government was was instructing locally how our kids should be educated, taking away the parental choice, taking away uh, the reasonableness of a person who lives in the state of Ohio and replacing it with the people in Washington, D.C. who were wholly out of touch in, in most cases. And so that's part of the indoctrination process. And over time, that's how that's how they can win. And certainly you want to educate your children. You want to educate your college students to understand what rights they have and to be able to stand up in situations like we have right now. When they're trying to dismantle our former government to do nothing more than suit their political purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that that's why. Uh, voting locally, acting locally is where everything starts, because I think more than anything, what we've seen from the Nancy Pelosi's and Chuck Schumer's and even some of the people that we tend to agree with is just how out of touch they are right. and how and how far removed from our lives and what we need to function as a society. And whether we're in the state of Texas, the state of Ohio, the state of Pennsylvania, what those things are important to us. So uh and it all starts locally. I, I firmly believe it all starts with our mayor. It all starts with our county commissioners, our school board. They make all the decisions that affect us because they think like us. They know what we think like. And then that kind of bleeds throughout the states that we live in. Uh, and then, of course, when it gets to the top and uh, Mike DeWine, for instance, in the state of Ohio, when people realize that, you know what, that's not us, then that's where changes are made. But uh, you can't just vote for president. And and, uh, and your Congress and senators, you've got to vote for what's happening locally. It's so important because when the rubber meets the road, you know, who are you going to call? You're not going to call Donald Trump for help. You're going to mm-hmm. call your sheriff. Yeah, absolutely. So I think some of the high level things we've hit already are, you know, taking a look at some of the things that Biden and Harris are, are hoping to do if, if they do, in fact, get elected to office. We've talked about uh, what could happen uh, both as far as, as social eruption uh, if, if Trump gets reelected and also maybe what his uh, second term uh, could maybe look like as far as him, you know, helping out state cities and, and protecting individuals. Um, but I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit third party, um, even though it's highly, highly unlikely that uh, a Joe Jorgensen of the world would win. But we did see in the last election, I think in recent history, the largest uh, amount of votes uh, per capita for a third party candidate. Um, taking a look at that, you know, I was mentioning to Sean earlier, you know, when I was growing up, it was more like Ralph Nader and the Green Party and Ross Perot and all of his charts. And that was kind of like the non-dichotomous party view. But, you know, now the the Libertarian Party has kind of taken front and center as, as the the front runner as, in third parties. Um, looking at someone like Joe Jorgensen, 
Should that happen? Should people come out in the masses and vote third party? You know, uh, Dan, what do you think that could that could look like? Because if you look at the libertarian platform, it's a little more skeletonized, you know, than than we're used to seeing on typical, you know, Republican and Democrat platforms. It, it is. And maybe this is only my own um, experience, but I seem to be hearing a whole lot less about libertarians and Jorgensen this year than we did about uh, uh, the libertarian candidate in 2016. Um, seems to be much farther in the background and less of a um, less of a choice. Everybody who was disgusted by the two choices last time, um, I, I think a fair number of them. Uh, thought that the Libertarian Party was a good opportunity to uh, show how how virtuous and um, and right minded they were by voting for a Libertarian and uh, and not voting for Trump or, or Clinton. Um, I don't hear that this time. It's either either you either seem to be um, a Trump person or you seem to be voting against him and and almost invariably the people I, I see um, who who aren't going to be Trump voters are going to be voting for Biden, no matter whether they agree with him or not. Uh, it's, it's an anti-Trump vote, not a pro, pro-Biden pro vote. Uh, but I seem to be hearing very little uh, from the from the Libertarians and Jorgensen. Again, maybe it's just my own uh, sure. my own experience. Maybe the, the, there's really more out there that I'm not seeing, but I'm I try to stay fairly plugged in on these things. Yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, Sean, what about you? Is it about, about the same temperament you think? Yeah, I agree with Dan and, and more often than not, you're, you're concerned about that third party candidate being the spoiler. Uh, certainly, especially if you're looking what could happen to the house and the Senate, but it's became more polarized than anything else because this time you had Bernie Sanders talking to all his people saying, Hey, you have to support Biden. That wasn't there before. Uh, Bernie was still wanted to be that third party candidate. So uh, so that has an impact. But I agree with Dan. That's not really not there now. You're either for Biden or for Trump or you're against Trump. Mm-hmm. And and that seems to be where everything where, where it's going to fall and it's going to lie. And that's why those four million or five million new gun owners could be very, very instrumental. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with how neck and neck some of these polls are now, now I will say, you know, when I during the 2016 election, I was working for a different company. I was in California for training in my hotel, Western time zone, waiting for all this stuff to come down. And I'm watching the news and I'm like, oh, my, like he's actually winning, like he's winning, winning. (laughs) And nobody in the news media uh, with with maybe the exception of the random Fox affiliate mm-hmm. was really saying, you know, feeling confident in Trump winning at, at the get go. You know, you go to all the the election parties that they'd pan around to. And as soon as those votes started tallying up, um, it seemed like the polls were off. I mean, would that be fair? I mean, it seemed like every exit poll pointed to Hillary winning pretty large. And at least a lot of the headlines that I see, especially for the local news channels that that I subscribe to, you know, they're they're saying that, you know, Biden is on the upswing in the suburbs, that he's on the upswing in rural counties, that he's he's, you know, estimated at one or two points here, three or four points there. You know, could 
I mean, is it a reality to think that we could see a repeat of 2016 and that the exit poll data and the pre-poll data are just kind of off or is skewing left? I mean, Dan, what do you think? Is that a reality? Yeah, I think that uh, anybody who puts too much emphasis into what the polls are saying uh, still a month out is is deluding themselves because you're seeing such a, a wide delta between some of the polls. And this this past week, we've seen one poll from NBC say that, he's four, that uh, Trump is 14 points down. And you've seen another one from Zogby saying he's only two points down. Um, it, all the devils in the details and all these polls, how, how they wait to the wait, uh, um, likely voters versus registered voters, how many Democrats they they have in their, uh, sample size versus Republic Republicans and independents. Um, you can make a poll, say whatever you want. Um, and I think, um, one thing that, um, Americans have really learned over the last four years is, the media will present the results of those polls, whatever those results may be, accurate or not, uh, in a certain way that will further a specific narrative rather than presenting them uh, objectively. Um, they're gonna they're going to uh, uh, they're gonna tell you what they want you to want you to hear and 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 slant it uh, in a certain way. Um, the um, the destruction of trust in the media over the last three years has been uh, an unbelievable phenomenon. Um, and I think more and more people have learned that and more and more people are acting accordingly when they consume uh, information. Absolutely. Sean, what do you think? Same same idea. The polls could be yeah. just, uh, you know, snake water at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with Dan, but I tend to take a darker view. Uh, <laughs> in, in my view, he's an optimist. <laughs> in, in my view, uh, the majority of these polls are there for one reason, one reason only. And that's to make sure that that to drive people away from the polls and say, you know what? We don't have a chance. I'm not even going to go out and vote. My vote's not going to matter. I can remember back when um, uh, when John Kerry was running against Bush, mm -hmm. I was working the polls. And all of a sudden, we all started hearing that Kerry was winning by a landslide. And I'm thinking, it's 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. How can they be saying that? Yeah, it's like and you then realize we're not sitting back right, here counting. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, people from the, the Butler County Republican Party and the state center and who said, Sean, that's all, that's all garbage. They're putting that out there to try to keep us from going to the polls. And I truly believe that's a lot of, about about what your polling information is about. They want to make things so one-sided they don't want us there, or they need to give them a boost. And so if I think he's up 6%, well, maybe I should vote for him because that's, you know, kind of party rules, yeah. herd mentality. So, uh, you know, and, and the distrust. Now I, for one, don't trust the media at all anymore. You know, fool me once. Mm -hmm. But I also know people that are locked up in your house and they listen to CNN 24 hours a day. Yeah. And I'm sad to say that one of those persons is my mother mm -hmm. and she is a Bidenite because mm -hmm. of that. And uh, my brother and I, we both don't know what to do, but we, you know, what can you do? And I, and I, so I worry about those people like that are only getting that message, but there's people that are only getting the Fox news message also. But I think polling is now meant to lead us down a path.
Right. Yeah, I think it is a a, a widely uh, echo chambered world that we live in. I, I know that several years ago, they, they kind of dubbed uh, Obama as being the first social media president, you know, as he was in office <laughs> when Facebook went public and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, I would venture to say that the generations change so quickly now uh, that mm-hmm. neck and neck, you'd have to say that, that Trump's probably the first social media president, not in the sense that or not just in the sense that he tweets a lot, uh, but but the sheer fact that the that uh, social media has so much power uh, for all of these platforms and agendas. And, and it's no longer a um, show me the truth. It's show me the first thing and then try to debunk it. Right. Um, and that's kind of where we are in this new system. And I think it is interesting when you go back and you listen to old debates and old interviews. I was telling uh, Sean earlier, Dan, that I fell down a wormhole of old Reagan interviews pre 1980 election, you know, up against Carter. And, uh, and, you know, they're just talking about, you know, things like early satellite cable television, 24 hour news cycles, you know, all that stuff that was in the SNL sketches in the eighties and nineties. And it was like, gosh, if you could just imagine now, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, your, your head would explode. You're getting text messages, robo calls, you got, you know, mm-hmm. stuff popping up on your screens, uh, constantly, mm-hmm. um, uh, from all this stuff. I, I think it's, it is quite quite a different ball of wax. Now, uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask one more question. And this is, uh, this is not meant to be me looking like an armadillo hat wearing guy in my basement, uh, you know, fearing the Illuminati, but, uh, people have been saying What's that tinfoil back there. Yeah, sh- don't disregard, <laughs> disregard. That's, that's for a craft later. Um, you know, we, some people have said we are going to see how COVID is handled uh, differently after the election pending the outcome. And, and the reason I bring this up is a lot of our industry, a lot of everybody's industry really is kind of walking on pins and needles with everything from trade shows to how sales are done, uh, because of what, um, different COVID mandates look like, but also this spike began, uh, with, with, uh, the, the national emergency that was stated for the COVID outbreak. Do you think we see a different take on COVID, um, pending party outcome? What do you think, Dan? Uh, I, I'm not sure it'd be specifically party outcome. Uh, Biden said he wants a national mask mandate or something like that. Something insane, which, uh, which I don't think he would, he would even do. Um, I just think that there's been so much politicization of COVID period. I just think there'll be less um, uh, need for that or perceived need for that by the people who are trying to push an agenda after the election anyway. Um, So yeah, I think that there will be a change. I'm not sure how much it will be. It it will depend on who wins the election or not. Um, but uh, there's uh, then there's also the wild card as, as to whether you know like uh, like the seasonal flu whether there's a resurgence of uh, aces in the fall or not. It's hard to predict any of that really. Um, yeah, for sure, Sean. Same for you. Just kind of yeah. like it's more what type of media hype is it getting, and what type of agenda does it get to push for people? Well, and, and, I, and I think Dan's right. It became a main issue for for this political season. Uh, it, it was something to criticize. Trump about over and over again. And it's certainly being a backseat quarterback like Biden can be. I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. 
And I think that's what it's being used for. I said, there's a lot of things, certainly after the election, that's all going to go away. So then maybe we're going to hear what we truly need to hear and Mm -hmm. not what everybody thinks they need to tell us. And then, of course, you're looking at the fact that, you know, will there be a vaccine at that time? And as Dan said, you know, you got the resurgence and you have the seasonal flu. Uh, You know, we talked about that. So um, will it go away 100 percent? Like, like a lot of our friends have said, <laughs> people are saying that. Yeah, people are saying it's, it, it's just a, it's a flu that doesn't exist. I think probably it's not going to be that extreme, but I also look back and can you remember the first time Donald Trump educated us about fake news? Mm-hmm. It wasn't until he said fake news that I started thinking about it. I said, you know what? You're right. This is fake news. So maybe this is a fake flu, but we'll find out. <laughs> I don't think it's going to totally be a fake fake flu but like dan said i i think it's more so driven yeah by by the narrative of of this election yeah for sure well dan sean thank you so much for joining us so we got quite a full uh, bit of uh, of talk here that we could put up uh at the end of this uh for all of you in our listening and watching audience all we're saying is take an inventory of your values your beliefs uh what you feel you need to do to protect your home and family and your rights and go vote uh, whatever that's going to be you need to just go out there and do it uh, you could actually go to factsandfirearms.com we have a banner ad uh, going right now with the NSSF uh, gun vote program um, that will allow you to uh, find all sorts of polling place uh, resources as well as registration resources. Uh, Dan, we can find more about you and the truth about guns at uh, the truth about Is that right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and Sean at secondcalldefense.org. Uh, we will have links to all of their social media and uh, website in the show notes. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you, sir. I think their product headline says it best, ring steel, not your ears. If you haven't checked out uh, episode 27 of the Facts and Blogging podcast, we actually spoke uh, to Jared from Caldwell Shooting about some of their uh, extensive line of hearing protection and accessories. One of the things that they sent out to us was a set of their Emacs shadows. And the nice thing about the Emacs shadows is not only are they excellent ear protection for the range or for training, or even when you're just mowing your lawn or working with power tools, uh, but they also are a Bluetooth headset. So if you're into earbuds and power beats and AirPods and all that kind of thing, you can still get great stereo sound dual microphones and device control, all right here from the shadows. And again, when you use those foam tips, uh, you also get a 25 dB noise reduction rating as well. So if you're out on the range all day, you're working on a project in the garage, you wanna listen to music, you still need to take calls, that sort of thing, no need to be taken on and off the giant muffs. You could just have a pair of shadows in and you can find these over at Caldwell Shooting com and don't forget to check out our whole episode about hearing protection with Caldwell at faxandfirearms.com slash blog. All right, well today Andrew, one of our armory technicians, is going to be showing us how to install a muzzlock muzzle in device. And uh, we are going to be using one of our uh, kind of calico guns, if you will, just kind of a, one of the ones we use to test product on and do videos like this, um, kind of hodgepodge together. Uh, but you will notice that it is unloaded and make sure obviously that whenever you're working on firearms that you check that it's unloaded, uh, especially with muzzle end devices like this, because you are going to kind of hop in front of it a little bit to check your timing. But Andrew, why don't we start with just showing the parts of the muzzle lock? 
All right, so a muzzlock muzzle brake is two pieces. It is the muzzle brake itself and the muzzlock nut, which is reverse threaded on. And the reverse threading and the fact that it's two pieces, this is why you don't need a crush washer and things like that to, yep. to install it. The muzzlock is taking the place of the crush washer. Excellent. So how do we get started on the install? All right, first off, make sure that your muzzlock is all the way on. Next, take the muzzle brake, thread it on until the back of the brake reaches the end of the threads. Once it's reached the end of the threads, bring the center port to about 45 degrees from the top of the center of the barrel. Next, reverse thread the muzzlock to the back of the muzzle. And then we'll tighten it. And now, Andrew, the timing you're looking for is just to make sure that you have the wrench slot straight up and down, and then your center port is basically centered with the, the barrel and the tip of your handguard. Is that, that is correct? correct. Very good. And that's really all it takes to install. Yep. So if you need a modular device that allows you to uh, you know, switch between suppressors or comps, or maybe you have a couple of different muzzlock devices, uh, this is certainly a great way to do it. Very few tools. You could do this on a gun vise like we have or on a bench vise on a block. And uh, you're only using what? What type of cool? A three-quarters three wrench. Three-quarters inch wrench. So that's all you need. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Dustin. You know, it's no secret that the things that you keep in your gun safe are important. They're valuable. They're things that you want, you need, you need to hold on to, whether it's just your firearms and supplies. Or I know a lot of people like to use their gun safes to hold things like tax returns and other important documents, family photos. All of those things are incredibly important. And to help keep better track of it and better maintenance on those items, Lockdown has a series of devices devices and utilities and tools to help keep those things that you treasure safe. One of my personal favorites that we actually use here in the office quite a bit uh, around our storage for cameras and lighting and things like that is just one of their dehumidifiers. Now they have lots of other stuff. You may have already heard of the golden rod. You've heard a lot of stuff about the lockdown puck, uh, which is a smart device to help keep your gun drawer, your safe, your tools, even your wine cellar safe. Uh, and checking up on the humidity and the atmosphere in those places as well. We did a great episode with Lockdown several weeks back that you could check out at factsandfirearms.com slash blog, where we go through pretty much their entire product line and everything from the Lockdown Puck to dehumidifiers to even things like, you know, storage, rack shelving, things of that variety, keeping your safe, keeping your gun room clean, organized and protected. And you can even get something like this, one of their room or gun safe dehumidifiers. If you're looking to organize that space in your home, again, whether it's for your gun safe or just anything that you hold valuable, we'd recommend you go to lockdown.com. Welcome back to another installment of Jay's World of Eats. Uh, we have a great uh, segment today. If you've been through the rest of the show, you know that uh, Sean and Dan joining us for uh, Firearms in the Election. Big show. Jam-packed. They're all great segments, Dustin. Oh, yes. Including the snacks. 
just a large show. It's uh, including the snacks. You board, mean including board. the rest of the stuff that surrounds the snacks? Uh huh. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's uh, what I thought. That's mm. uh, today. This uh, installment of Jay's World of Eats is brought to you by our friends at Crimson Trace. We're going to be giving away a CMR two hundred four. Uh, so if you'd like a new light or laser for your pistol, you'll definitely want to sign up for the giveaway. Uh, that will be at faxandfirearms.com slash blog. Click on episode 36 uh, for all the ways to enter. Uh, this past week, we announced the hog harvester giveaway. Yeah. And we're not wasting any time. Uh, we also have the uh, what we are calling the haunt Ooh, Ooh, giveaway. Nice. Uh, Partner with Lockdown to create a uh, custom FX-19 Hellfire uh, that if held under UV light, Jay glows really it does man i didn't know that i know glows in the. it was just spooky i didn't realize it glowed yeah our buddy tom from one off coding again knocking it out of the park with you know some ideas and you know cerakote has some cool stuff so it has a chameleon threaded barrel it's our fx19 hellfire so you know plus five mag (sighs) extension mag well uh the more aggressive slide cuts and everything and a ton of great sponsors uh on this uh so you know including lockdown uh we have uh uh, Angel, you may know her as Mile High Angel from Valkyrie Leatherworks. She's doing like a custom like a uh, plague mask thing, all very Halloween themed. Nice. Got stuff from Skinny Medic. Um, uh, actually, Sean, who's on today, he's giving a uh, uh, a free um, a, a free. I don't know how do you even say this trial, a free batch of coverage from second call defense uh nice. so for you know firearms uh, legal coverage nice tons of yeah, stuff very good. so make sure you check that out uh that'll pop up for you at factsandfirearms.com as soon as you uh get to the home page uh so yeah you know i took a uv light into a cheap hotel room one time <sighs> ill-advised shocking <laughs> shocking <laughs> really Really sort of scarring. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about, you know, every, everything's going on with like SHOT Show. You know, it's like, gosh, is SHOT Show even going to be able to happen? And, you know, NSSF is still kind of trucking along saying they're going to take the precautions and things. But then you like look at the state of Nevada and the city of Las Vegas and and their uh, kind of outline of what you can and can't do for the gathering of people yeah and it's like ooh, these two don't seem to match up but we were saying like do we get some uv lights to help keep the booth clean <laughs> and maybe a complimentary yeah. service uh you know bring your hotel tv remote and a plastic bag yeah. and we could scan that bad boy for you. right you don't want to know yeah you, you, don't. you really don't it's like all the horrible things you've seen on csi it is just that so, oh yeah way worse very good yeah uh, we do have uh, coming up in the works. We're actually going to be meeting about it after we're done recording today about uh, some cooking uh, segments that are going to be uh, for a little Thanksgiving <laughs> themed things. It's going to be huge. Huge. Uh, lots of fun. We're, we're trying to get some game meets in here. See if we could uh, help you folks who are in the hunting crowd uh, yeah. get some ideas for Thanksgiving. Um, so making sure you uh, stick around for that. But if you have any uh, recipes or food or things that you think we should highlight because we're going to set up a kitchen and the whole nine, uh, email us, podcastoffactsandfirearms.com. And uh, along with any of your other questions and show suggestions, but uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you about the yeah. food stuff too. Maybe don't send those uh, 
fresh game meats in without notifying us prior. Yeah, let us know. Uh, maybe put it on some dry ice. So they don't sit on the, uh, you know, receiving shelf over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is just a Dustin <laughs> and Jay. Yeah. It got gamier. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smelly and tasty. All right. Uh, Jay, your um, labels and packages today are quite loud. Uh Lots of color. Yes, they Lots are, of Dustin. things going on. What Lots are we of gonna, color. What are we going to start with? You warned me that this is a little autobiographical. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we'll start with that then. Okay. So, um, my main snack for the week, and, mm-hmm. and you know, this is sort of a, a standard snack item mm-hmm. at uh, the J abode, mm-hmm. is uh, Lunchables. Yes. Lunchables. Yeah. Right. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. They come in all sorts of wonderful varieties. Yes. I like most of the varieties, although not all. Yes. We can get into that. But mm-hmm. uh, my favorite by far is the uh, nachos with cheese and salsa Lunchable. Okay. Yeah. With the tiny chips. With the little. Very tiny chips. Yes. You know, the, the chips may be a little too tiny. Yeah, you know, you're dipping but, your I mean, fingers in there a lot. Right. Like maybe like a 25% increase in diameter would <laughs> would do well with them. Yeah. They're ready for uh, little kids with their little ravioli fists. That's yeah. what the that's what they're made for. Right. But you know, this is this is a big J item. You know, this right. is like a mainstay in J snacking. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean I think the the next biggest runner up on Lunchables is probably the uh bologna and American, <laughs> yeah. followed by the pizza lunchable. Uh the which pizza. uh in school, man, you were the real MVP if you brought the pizza lunchable. You know, the pizza lunchable, I, I pity all these stupid kids because <laughs> uh, the pizza lunchable really shines if you make your pizzas and you throw them in the microwave for 15 seconds. I'm sure all the lunch ladies would be thrilled if all the kids at their pizza right, lunchables yeah. came out. Yeah, so these kids are really just getting half the experience, you yeah. know, I mean, as as an adult, you know, the way to eat a pizza lunchable is... Prepare pizza, microwave 15 seconds. Consume. Sort of softens up the pepperoni, softens up the bread. Yeah. You know, melts the cheese a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah. nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> autobiographical, Dustin. Okay, I'm ready. So, I'm buying my nachos, Lunchables, thinking about the podcast. My dad had written me an email saying that he had watched some of the podcasts and was enjoying them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking about my dad and my childhood. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So as a child, my dad would pack my lunches, our lunches, my brother and I. And instead of getting the Lunchables nachos Lunchable. <laughs> yeah. I would get this <laughs> bag, bag of tortilla, so, bag of so salsa. If if you if you can't really tell what this is, this is a bag of Tostitos uh-huh. and a bag of either Chi-Chi's or paste salsa. Yeah, and by bag I mean the kind of like sandwich bag, bag that folds over, tied into a knot. Right. <laughs> so every day I would get to lunch and inevitably the chips would be crunched because they were in my backpack right in a paper bag <laughs> and the salsa. and the salsa 
You can sort of see, maybe we can zoom in on this somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The salsa is starting to wick up through this knot. And, you know, in a lunch bag, this leads to it having leaked all over everything in, in the backpack. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to our next problem. Which is opening. It's tied in a knot. Right. And little Jay. Most you know, little kids, not so good with knots. Right. Not so good on the coordination thing. So I'd spend most of my lunchtime trying to untie this bag. Yeah. Right. And once you do get it open. You're dipping chips into a sandwich baggie of salsa. So your hands, the backside of your hand, your entire hand yeah. is covered in salsa. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so a couple of years ago, my brother and I, you know, in our mid thirties are joking about this at Christmas. And uh, my dad says, my dad was outraged. You know? he's, <laughs> he's like, he thought this was a brilliant idea. And he tells us that the intention the entire time, which he never knew we weren't doing, was that we would be taking our pocket knife or scissors or something, cutting the corner of the bag and using it like a piping bag. <laughs> Piping of salsa. Piping of salsa. On your chip crumbs. Onto the chip crumbs. <laughs> like, what sort of stupid kid wouldn't understand that? Could you imagine that, just like eight-year-old Jay at a table just swinging out the pocket knife, chopping open his pipe, piping bag of salsa oh, after right. his book bag smells like it? Right. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> Why wouldn't we have thought of this? Like I say, your dad was outraged. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that led to a little introspection here over the past couple of days, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of um, my brother and my interactions with our dad when we were kids were sort of guided from this um, this. Thing where my dad always treated and communicated with us as if we were 30 somethings. Right. You know, as if we were adults. Yeah. You know, he was like, he was never like gonna explain the like cut off the thing because he just assumed that, you know, we were like adult humans with adult brains <laughs> and we would just get it like you know <laughs> just like open a bag of salsa <laughs> you know I, I don't know if that was like him giving us too much credit yeah or you know <laughs> i don't i don't know uh we probably don't you know need to explore all that much deeper yeah here. how much do you want to unpack <laughs> <laughs> but you know i thought i would illustrate our snack yeah today with a little, you know, this is what young Jay had every lunchtime. And this is what young Jay wanted every <laughs> lunchtime. This was the goal. <laughs> this was the goal. You know, all my friends would be bringing in these Lunchables. And, you know, I would have this, you know, possibly superior, you know, chips and salsa. I mean, I think. But doesn't travel knows? nearly but, as well. You know, right. So, we chips, go. salsa. I prefer to uh, dip in each, Dustin. Mm. I like the little combination. It is good, um, ma'am. Is it Oscar Mayer that salsa? makes those things? 
I think it's Oscar Mayer. Yeah, it looks like an Oscar Mayer product. Yeah, I could turn it upside down, but I then just, I'd spill it everywhere. But do you remember like the kids at lunch <laughs> who would have like the craziest foods? Like some of them, it was like, there's no way an adult packed that lunch for you. Like you are too young to be packing your lunch when it's like oh yeah nine tenths candy and Capri Sun and a like can of soda in the bottom yeah you remember whole, those kids yeah like a whole like or like a like a one liter because for some odd reason <laughs> it one was liter. it was like more it was less expensive than a twenty ounce for right. marketing purposes those and I have this memory of a kid in elementary school who would legit bring a can of cheese whiz and put it on crackers. Oh, that's incredible. I love cheese whiz. Portable cheese. I love cheese whiz. Just bringing the portable yeah. cheese right to school. But the packaging is where it gets you. The packaging of all this is where it gets you. Because I used to work for a school, and when I had lunch duty, I was going to get yogurt splat on me. You know, because kids can't open yogurt very oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kids can't open anything. And something about the expansion and contraction of yogurt plasma throughout the day in a lunchbox. Yeah. They're cre- they're some sort of suction happens. <laughs> and so by the time you go to take that Yoplait lid off, it's just, you know, all over. Yeah. All over. Mr. Wallace, can you open my, my yogurt? Or the kids who like stab through the Capri Sun and go through both sides and it's just everywhere. You seen the lunchables that include a Capri Sun? Monsters. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, they have, you know, a whole variety that includes a cookie now. Yeah. It's pretty great. I yeah. like that. You know, but then you can buy the deluxe lunchables, which generally a little too expensive for me. Uh <laughs> you know, I like somewhere. the I like the Kroger's 10 for 10 standard lunchables, you yeah. know. Yeah. But you get your own Capri Sun, which is pretty in the lunchable. Yeah, that's a pretty good. Move. That, that's a pretty I solid mean, deal. You know, I think they got candy bars in them, too. Like little. um. Yeah. Wasn't the thing like a, the big kid Lunchables, like the mighty Lunchables or whatever oh, yeah. it was where they started adding more stuff to it? Yeah. That was always my thing as a kid. Like my my parents would get Lunchables sometimes. So they're like, ah, you know, it's more expensive and, you know, the ingredients or, or whatever that right. comes along with yeah, it. Right. But uh, I do like that Lunchables have been appropriated into grown-up culture because oh, I just man. had one at lunch today. The adult Lunchables? Yeah, the, with like Genoa salami and yeah. bagel chips and like <laughs> They're incredible. Oh, they're so good. They feel like that was a little late of a jump. Like they should have made those. Why did it those. take so long? Yeah, that seemed like a logical move. Yeah. I mean, the next thing they need to do is just get a Capri Sun full of, like, Chardonnay and oh, throw yeah. that bad boy in there. Now, <laughs> now, yeah. now you're all set. Now you're talking. Call us, Oscar Mayer. Yeah. We got big ideas. We got ideas, Oscar Huge Mayer. Huge ideas. You know, your, your puny company really could use some <laughs> advice from, you know, experts like us. You need to load up. Yeah, you need to load up that weenie mobile with uh, more bagel chips and and uh, Capri Suns filled with Merlot. I was on the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Uh, really? Within the past year, it Why was in Cincinnati. It was in Cincinnati. I forget where I saw it. I stood in front of it and, you know, got it to stop. I didn't stand in front of it. I <laughs> just stopped driving. I approached, I approached at a stoplight and, you know, yeah. got on it. 
Is this it's pretty did exciting? Ask, did you ask if it was the city bus? Is you like, what are you like? <laughs> yeah. Is this is this my stop? Is this my stop? All right. Now, so, Jay, you have another uh, loud item here. Second snack has no name because I cannot pro- read or pronounce this. Looks uh, frightening. This is from Thailand. Um, I got a ton of these when we were in Thailand. Oh, no, no, I ripped through it, Dustin. You ripped through the little guy? I ripped through it. Let me see. There's some sort of orb with boxing gloves. There is an orb wearing a crab as a sombrero, and the crab has boxing gloves. (laughs) So, uh... Looks like some sort of jacked up Mario villain. (laughs) These are pumpkin seeds that are crab stick wasabi flavored. Note crab stick, not crab so in the part of the crab is the stick jay well crab stick is not actually crab at all so why you would want something that is flavored like imitation crab yeah who knows wait so these are pumpkins this is a lot of worlds colliding if you were pumpkin seeds maybe they're sesame seeds they might be sesame seeds i don't think these are pumpkin seeds i might be mixing them up can pumpkins grow in thailand a good question. I don't know. I'm not a who knows horticulturist, <laughs> right? Uh, if you you came up to me right now, they're like, quick, grow what grows in Thailand? <laughs> no idea. Not, Couldn't help you. <laughs> not a clue. I do like wasabi though. I know some people don't like wasabi. Yeah, but yeah, wasabi's good. Like wasabi peanuts and all that sort of mm, stuff. Yeah, right. And I do. I, I know some people will be like, well, you know, if you get sushi at the grocery store that's really just horseradish and a green thing whatever <laughs> i use it i like it it's yeah. good put it on my california rolls because i'm not about the raw fish but you are about the crab stick then the california roll yeah <laughs> crab stick's in california roll yeah it's yeah. delicious crab stick is uh you most know most chinese food restaurants like the cheap ones crab rangoon that's basically crab, crab stick, stick. Yeah. yeah totally yeah i mean totally and it's, it's good, good. I literally have no idea what I just ate. There is nothing yeah. on here that looks vaguely like anything I could read. You know, it's just sort of like a Thai, like gas station nut aisle stuff, you know, instead of like corn nuts and like all sorts of tasty variety of planters. You know, they got you know, crab stick wasabi, you know, some far seeds. <laughs> Very <not>. good. <laughs> Very good, right? If we could figure out who made this, maybe we'll give you a shout out. Ooh, we could yeah. have to scan this QR code and make sure it doesn't like jack with our <laughs> internet firewall or something. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Right. Right. I don't um, know. But that does make me wax poetic about some of the lunches you used to see in school. And like some kids were like, you know, their parents like had the perfect stackable rubber made for oh, yeah. bed, like a whole like little camp mess kit, you know, with yeah, whatever fancy food was uh, was going down at that point. But I knew it was a good day if I had an oatmeal cream pie in that bad boy. Maybe yeah. a zebra cake, a zinger. You know, my dad also would buy uh, MREs. He would buy boxes of MREs. And so, uh, you know, every once in a while we'd show up to lunch with, you know, maybe not a complete MRE, but like. You have some of the of things, military <laughs> some of the things in the MRE. I don't think he ever packed like a heating element in there. 
You know, <laughs> what if you did? What if you're just like, you open it up, right? You sit there cooking little camp stove style elementary school. No, the like, the like one you put the water in, you know, the, oh, yeah. the water and it's got like the chemical heater and you're supposed to like seal the bag and put on rock or something. Oh my gosh. I'm sure your teachers were thrilled every day oh, yeah. that packed lunch for you. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was good. That's good stuff. All right. Well, as always, if you <laughs> segways, segways, yeah, segways, 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 uh, as always, if you have a snack that uh, you would like for us to review or you have uh, tips for the show, yeah. questions you want to hear answered on air. Uh, and like we said before, um, getting ready for Thanksgiving. If you have any ideas or things that you would like to see us uh, do on the Thanksgiving show, mm-hmm. uh, Faxon will be joining us for that. Uh, please feel free. Email us podcast at factsfromfirearms.com. Don't forget that Jay's World of Eats is brought to you by Crimson Trace this week. We're going to be giving away a CMR 204. And you know what, Jay? Executive decision. Oh, nice. Add a fax and tumbler. Yeah, there. fax and tumbler. This one's mine. You won't get that one. <laughs> Unless you want that one. I hope you watch. Uh, it's pre-chewed. Uh, yeah. uh, you get my, my lip stuff. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll throw a, a fax and tumbler from Wild Gear in there with it as well. And don't forget to uh, enter in the haunt giveaway. This is going to have that uh, crazy sweet uh, FX-19 Hellfire that's... Uh, <laughs> in the dark you're closing the uv mm-hmm. light it's uh pretty cool yeah, yeah. under uv light We're under uv light not in uh, the dark okay true okay. Story. God. actually true story now <laughs> before we wrap up when it came back from one-off coating i could not remember if it was uv activated cerakote or if it was like truly like glow in the dark you know yeah. like a glow stick or yeah, right. one of those stars you put in your bedroom ceiling i'm sure everybody still does that in their adult yeah, life totally um and i took it in and I'm I'm looking at the slide like this, like I'm cupping my hands over it. And uh, Martin, our, our customer service guy, was like, you know, you could just go in the gun vault. And there's, there's no windows in there. You close the door, turn off the light. And I'm like, no, I'm not shutting myself in the pitch black gun vault. And he went in there and tested it for me. But we took it out to Mag Particle and shoved it under that UV light. And Ooh, yeah, yeah, cool. It, it, uh, it glowed really good. We'll throw a picture mm. up. So yeah. Anyway, make sure you enter into uh, the Haunt giveaway. It's going to have that FX-19 stuff from Second Call Defense, uh, uh, Valkyrie Leather, um, tons of stuff, uh, lockdown. So make sure you enter into that, again, at FactsonFirearms.com. And uh, Oster Meyer. Yeah, give us a call. Yeah. We got ideas. Yeah, we got ideas. Merlot in a bag and a Lunchable. <laughs> and a Lunchable. <laughs> for those of you who have been watching the podcast for a while, you may know that uh, we had Ryan Donahue from Crimson Trace on for one of our episodes to talk all things optics and red dots and some of the exciting things that CT has coming up. But I just wanted to share one of my personal favorite products of theirs, and that is their Railmaster Pro, the CMR204. So not only is it a tactical light, it's also a laser, and it has all of the industry proven technology that Crimson Trace has been known for for so many years. But they're not just limited to things like lights and lasers. They've made a big splash in the electro optics game, whether it's looking at something like a traditional rifle scope or maybe even their new battle optic, which you may or may not have seen in some TV shows and movies recently, they have a lot to offer. So 
Obviously, you're going to be seeing some more stuff uh, of Crimson Trace popping up with us here at Faction Firearms. You may have even seen it uh, staged on our limited edition Mustang rifle that came out in the spring of 2020. Again, lots of cool stuff from them, just like the CMR204 or anything in their Railmaster series. We would encourage you to check them out at crimsontrace.com. We want to extend our deepest gratitude to military, police, first responders, and more by saying thank you with special pricing and discounts on all facts and products. Here's how you get started. First, you'll head on over to our website, factsandfirearms.com. From there, you'll want to click support and guardian purchase program in the dropdown. Then you'll see the instructions on how to get started. So let's just walk through those. First, you'll want to register for an account on our website. If you've already bought something from us on our website before, then this part's already taken care of. Second, you'll want to send a copy of your credentials or some reasonable verification of affiliation to customer service at factionfirearms.com. We get a lot of emails where people are like, hey, will this count? Will this ID count? Will this VA card count? Chances are, yes, a lot of them will count, but make sure you attach an image or a copy of that verification to the email before you even ask customer service. That way they can expedite the process for you. As soon as the account has been created or updated, we will send you an email letting you know that you're ready to go. The discount will be available anytime online when you go to your shopping cart. If you have any more questions, please email customer service at faxandfirearms.com. Hi, and welcome. Hi, and welcome to the Fax and Blog and Podcast.